Well, look up the word frustrating and see video of the Seahawks' overtime loss to the 49ers, 26-23. Dogs can't get that elusive non-conference quality win in Atlantic City. We're talking NHL coming to Seattle. I caught up with one of the top national NHL writers for Yahoo Sports. Mr. Postseason is kind of ready, <laughs> Jay Ham. kind of ready. Uh, we'll do kind of a mini Mr. Postseason in our final segment on episode number seven. Then we'll do a full-fledged one once the Monday night game is in the books between the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Plus my laundry list of stuff that I think needs our attention. Subscribe to Mitch Unfiltered on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. Throw us a five-star rating if you don't mind. If you're loving the new podcast, join us as a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com and have access to all of our bonus content, including the full-fledged Mr. Postseason after the Monday night game is finished. Also, I don't ever say this, so I'm going to say it today. Make sure you're following the two of us on Twitter, mm. right? Yeah. It's a big mistake if you're not following yeah. Jason D. Hamilton, at Jason D. Hamilton, or at Mitch underscore Seattle, right? Did I get Facts. that right? Those are... Both correct. Those are both correct. And if you get the chance this holiday season, please support our three charter sponsors, Daniel's Broiler, Zeke's Pizza, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Super excited for the return of the Land Rover Defender. Back after a couple of years away, the Defender made its debut in the 1940s. Get on the order list at Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue today. Unfiltered. This Seahawks turnaround is remarkable. Remember, they can't win a preseason game. And then two games into the regular year, we're looking forward to the NFL draft in 2019. And now three months later, we're asking wild card number one or wild card number two, and who would you rather play in the first round of the playoffs? Amazing. Unfiltered. I don't know. It just seems to me that if Jerry DePoto and the Mariners are going to make all these trades look beyond 2019, well, then they can't expect everyone to pay the same ticket prices as they did for an 89-win team in 2018. Mitch is unfiltered. Well, we made it to episode number eight, right? <laughs> yes. Why are you laughing? Because you were the math over there. You're a math guy, and you were struggling <laughs> on the math. Like you were counting them like one. Well, you told one, me. You two. Told, yeah. Okay, count. Yeah. You told me a long time ago that we're going to have trouble. We are. So what do we do? Do we stop? You just go with the date when they drop. No. Yeah. Really? I, yeah. I think we can go with a number. Okay. I think we can go with a number. Right. I think I can get it straight until about 11. And by 11, we'll be canceled. Sure. We'll be off the air. We won't be doing That's these the things over -under. anymore. 11's the over-under. Oh, 11's the over-under yeah. now. I see. Yeah. 11's the over-under. Yeah. Well, um, if I have to endure mm -hmm. too many more of what I just saw. Oh. Oh, God. But before we do, I want to know, how you doing, Jay Ham? I'm tired, Mitch. Are you? Oh, struggling right is now. The, is the podcast too much? No. Is it, with all the things you got no, going no, on, no. is it too much? No, the podcast is great. Okay. I'm you're actually, sure? I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. I'm really enjoying the podcast. Are I'm, you sure? But the commitment of having to do it and come over listen, and hang out with me all this time. I'm telling you this. Yeah. A, love hanging out with you, but B, yeah. loving the reaction that I'm getting oh, from people. Really? Comments. Really? Whether they're personal phone calls, whether they're, they're, um, 
you know, tweets, whether they're texts, people saying they're enjoying the show, people saying they're glad to hear your voice, people, you nice. know, just, just, the, so you, you really, I'm, you're, you're not just blowing smoke. No, right now. I'm, I'm, you're I'm not in. trying to make me feel good. No, well, maybe. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> no. So tell everybody why you're tired. Well, I flew to uh, I flew to Newark on Friday. Yeah. For a Saturday contest between the University of Washington and Virginia Tech uh, in Atlantic City. Flew there, you know, a nice little six-hour flight, a couple of hours drive. Once you get there, down to from Newark down to uh, Atlantic City. Right. Stay the night, do the game. Uh, a really early wake up call to uh, to get an early flight out on on Sunday. Basically, had two hours sleep, fly back, drive, fly oh back, and then, and then and then try to catch the Seahawks game and do the whole deal. Now, does the whole thing also get downgraded because of the performance and the result, yes. or does that not at this point in your life? Does that not really? No. Does the trip not impacted the results of the game? Doesn't impact the trip one way. No. Or the other. It, listen, this is my seventeenth year doing. Color comment, 17th year. You're kidding me. Yeah, how about that? Time flies. 17th yes. year. They kept you on this I long. know, right? <laughs> like they were really... So actually, it's funny. Tony Castricone and I were having this conversation. Yeah. I, am, I am nearing my 500th game. Wow. On the broadcast. As a matter wow. of fact, I believe it's going to be against Washington State in the first Pac-12 contest of this year. It will be my 500th game on on the broadcast congratulations thank you you want a beer or a, a yeah, glass I mean, of why, wine I mean, or something yeah, i didn't I mean, offer could be a bad host yes yeah, I, I yeah, need that. congratulations yeah, yeah. So, so but you had never been to atlantic city no you're a guy who was born and raised in the northwest mm-hmm. you've been to vegas a billion times yeah. you had never been to atlantic city no. you, and you asked me what am i what am i into and i <laughs> yes. told you about monopoly i don't know if you even noticed i used it I used it on the broadcast. Did you really? Yes. And only I, you saved me because Tony Castricone was talking about uh, a board game that was modeled after it. And I said, Monopoly. Yeah. Yes. And I wouldn't have known had... had so he was like quit, He was like giving a trivia. No. He was like he, stumped the band. You know, he was actually struggling to remember that Which it was... Which board game? Yeah. And I was like, Monopoly. He's like, thank you for saving me because yeah. I, he was just having one of those moments. Yeah. And had you not said that, yeah. I would have not known that. Yeah, you got the yellow properties, That's the right. purple properties. Yeah. They're all out there. What they're you, they're what all you, the street What titles. you learn on Mitch Unfiltered? You just never you, know. You don't. And so um, we'll get back because it's part of the laundry list sure, today. Sure, sure. We'll get back to the you know, the Huskies loss and mm-hmm. the hole that they create for themselves in the first oh. halves of these games. Then they try to dig uh. out of it and they spend so much energy trying to come back and then they get kind of close and – We'll talk about the imp- – but so you don't have any any real desire to go back to Atlantic Listen, City anytime soon. I will Did you t- have fun? I Did will- you do anything that was fun? No, because re- literally when I got in, yeah, it was late on Friday night. Right. Basically have dinner, wake up in the morning. I, I had a bunch of – you know, th- people don't care about this, but I had a bunch of work to do from, you know, my real job. I, not that this isn't my real job, but my yeah. real job. Yeah. Uh, so I tried to catch up on Saturday. Right. In the and, hotel in room. In the hotel room and right. do a bunch of stuff and then prepare for the Virginia Tech game. And then I did that. And then, but what, what I will say is your description of Atlantic City that you gave to me. Now, I want to say before you tell me whether it was yeah. on, I haven't been back in a long, since I moved here, I sure. have not been back to, I used to go to Atlantic City every so often when I lived in the East in right. New York and right. so forth, but I have not been to Atlantic City in 
25 years. Right. So my description, if it's erroneous, it's because it's changed in the last 25 yeah, years. Yeah, and it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't? No. Okay. So 25 years has not made Atlantic City, yeah, you know, if, if, if anything, from talking to people, it's actually worse than it was 25 years ago. Yeah. Now, the tournament, the... I'm saying the tournament. It was a one-day, all four games kind of a deal. Oh, there were other teams. Oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I'm and, not sure that I knew that. Yeah, and actually, there was a great game before the Washington game. Davidson and, and Temple, and a lot of Temple fans because Philly's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to OT and Temple squeaked it out. And it was a good game, but um, really nice tournament, and it, and it was great. I will say that your description of Atlantic City being Las Vegas. Yeah. Minus a million. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. It's it's, it's rough oh. off of the boardwalk. When you it's start rough. when you come into listen. Yeah. Before you get to the boardwalk, you're like, oh my God, what's going on here, right? Parker Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the Parker Brothers, this was early when they made when, when they when they made that game because there was a whole lot of other stuff going on on some of those streets that I saw uh, going in there onto the boardwalk. All right. Uh, you've made me laugh. You have made me laugh because I'm on the verge of crying. After. Why is that? Well, I, I, I'm trying to think of, as a sports fan, mm. worse things, oh, things yeah. that are more frustrating than watching your favorite football team, one of my favorite football sure. teams, lose a game solely because of being undisciplined mm. and just committing penalties. 14 penalties, 148 yards. That total, the yards, yep. is the largest single-game yardage penalty in Seahawks history. History. And they, I mean, you just can't come away from that game with any other reaction. I don't think you can. People listening right now might be yelling at their podcast. Sure. Um, that there's other reasons. Of course, there's a lot of reasons, but I, I don't know how you come away from that game thinking anything but all of these penalties. Yeah. And they were not just 14 penalties. These penalties were huge. Every Game-changing penalties. Every one. Yeah. At least the last five or seven right. were literally – each one of them, if you could have changed one of them, it, right. and it wouldn't have mattered which one of right. them, you probably – would have won the football game. And, you know, I, I sit back and I think about Pete Carroll. Mm -hmm. Now, I have said on Mitch Unfiltered in recent weeks that I think that this is one of the great... I'm not a huge Pete Carroll guy. You've known that about yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like Pete Carroll. I was not a big fan of the hire. I didn't think it would work. I was wrong, right? I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, he took him to unparalleled heights, right. and he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I've also said that I think that this year, the job that... He and his coaching staff have done this year to me stand out. It does. Even I mean, it does. You know, put really your hand does. obviously over the Super Bowl win yeah. and maybe the close call. But this this is an unbelievable job to have this team in the position. I've said that all along. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna I'm just gonna say that you know what you're getting when you have Pete Carroll as your head coach. At least we've seen this in Seattle for how many years are we talking about? The Seattle Seahawks being one of the most penalized yeah. NFL teams yeah. in the league. It seems like every single year, they're not only amongst the leaders, but they lose games. Mm -hmm. Has any team in the last 10 years lost more games 
as a result yeah, of tough. penalties yeah. than the Seattle Seahawks. And it just, you know, it's coming around the corner. At some point, it's going to rear its ugly head. And it was in San Francisco. That game is just driving me absolutely bonkers. And it should. And and I'll tell you this there's a lot of people that are saying bad calls. Oh, stop it. Exactly. Stop it. Bad calls. The officials, you could call that hold on almost any NFL play. Listen, Ethan Posick had a bad game. Well, well, Ethan Posick had a bad like 10 plays, 12 plays. He came in, and that's another another thing on the list to talk about. But when you commit 14, yeah, could they go either way? Could some of them go either way? When you commit 14 penalties, come on. Please don't blame the officials. 148 yards Please is a don't, lot there. Don't blame the guys in stripes. And we've seen in years past, Mitch, where it's really been the defense, whether that's been Bennett jumping offside, you know, whatever it's been. This was really a ton, a ton on the offensive side of the ball, right? That, yeah, that's right. That made, mostly, mostly that yeah, made mostly. the greatest impact. If you go, let's go back. I'll, I'll tell you what. There's 14. I'm not at yeah, one point. One I thought I was going to go one by one, yeah. all 14. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's go back over because in all the years, I mean, in the in the old days, I don't know if you remember this. The Raiders were always the most penalized sure. team in the NFL. Sure, Al yeah. Davis's yeah. teams like, like, like went like I don't know, ten years in a row, right. I think, or yeah, some, most some crazy most penalized yeah. team. So there are there are there are games that you see teams penalized 14 mm-hmm. times. It happens. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that all the years I'm watching a game that I saw, as we said before, penalties that one after the other were all like, they weren't nondescript right. penalties. They were just, so let's go over the last, so do it. the last five. Yeah, let's do it. Just the last five yeah. out of 14. Yeah. So there were nine leading up to the last five. Yeah. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go backwards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go backwards. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with penalty number 14, 14 sure. and 13, 12, yeah. 11, 10. Yeah. All right, let's just go over the last five. Yeah. The this, last, is, this is like the, the 12 days of Christmas. We're doing that. We're doing no, the, that's a lot more enjoyable <laughs> than what we're doing right now. Uh, let's go over that. So, so the last, the 14th penalty yep. was Shaq Griffin grabbing a receiver mm-hmm. on second and 15 mm-hmm. out of the break and then complaining when you watch the ball arrive to the receiver, he's got to got his hands off by that point. But the the replay shows, early. shows that he's grabbing him on mm-hmm. his break, and there's bumping, and the, and he's mad. Now think about that. That's that's pass interference. That's an automatic first down. That was a second and fifteen right. play in overtime mm-hmm. where the Seahawks had great pressure. It was really kind of a it was kind of a prayer because the, the, there was pressure right in his Absolutely. face and the ball kind of fluttered a little bit. Yep. It was a, it was a total bailout pass interference. Mm-hmm. I happen I know a lot of people don't think so. I happen to think it was it was either pass interference or or, or holding holding yeah, or yeah. illegal, illegal contact. contact sure. He was he was he was yeah. draped on him before yeah. the and so think about the, are the, what are the chances that the 49ers in that situation if that's not a PI Right. At third and fifteen, convert on the next play right. and keep that drive alive. They're not going to. Right at that point, we, the the Seahawks had some momentum defensively on the pass. Yeah, rush. pass rush was coming. Was coming right. Reads. And so, yeah, so there's yeah. there's penalty number fourteen. Yeah. Penalty number thirteen. The previous possession where the Seahawks have the ball in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, third and four. Yeah. Thirty-two yards down the sidelines yeah. to McKissick. McKissick. Yeah. Beautiful throw. Every beautiful catch. The whole thing. Except one thing. Ethan Posick. Yeah. A hold, 
turns third and four, which would have been a 32-yard reception and puts you into into 49er territory and on the verge of scoring. That's right. Now instead you're third and a mile and you end up having a punt. Yep. That's that's penalty number 13. Mm-hmm. Game changing. Penalty number 12. First and 10 on the final drive of the fourth quarter for the Seahawks. Yep. They hand the ball off to Davis. He goes 19 yards. Mm-hmm. They can go in and win the game essentially on that on that drive. Yeah. Posick Holding. Another hold. Another hold on Polsic. Game-changing penalty right mm-hmm. there. That's number, what I tell you, 12. 12, yeah. Number 11. One third, just before they got the, the ball in that drive, mm-hmm. they got it on a punt. Do you recall what happened on the punt? There was a punt. Oh. With 138 to go. The Seahawks were going to get it at the 40-yard line, and the guy, I think it was Turner. Right, your guy Ill- Lockett's about to do some bidness. Turner, illegal block in the yeah. back. Could have been at the 40. Yep. Instead, it's at the like 26 yep. or 27. Game changing penalty. Mm-hmm. You don't score on that drive to end the game. Instead right. of you're at the 40, maybe you're you're scoring yeah. on that drive and we never go to overtime. That was penalty number 11. 11. Yep. Penalty number 10. This was a killer. It's third and four, and the Seahawks have the ball. On the second-to-last drive of regulation, their second-to-last drive of regulation, they've got the ball in third and four, trying to go in for the game-winning points. Third and four, they decide. Oh, was this Carson? They decide. Was this Carson on no, the run? It, was, it was Davis. Oh, it was Davis on the Davis run. Davis on the run. Yes, a, an incredible individual effort to come up with that's five right. on. Third yeah, he four. looked like he was dead. He was dead to rights. Yeah, that's right. He, he was, was dead caught. To yeah, and he, and he spurts out of there. Yep. He gets five. He moves the chains. A Fetty. A Fetty holding on a Fetty. Yeah. Game changing penalty. And mm-hmm. those are just the, the previous five. Right. So I mean I, and so let's let's so so what I heard the guys on TV talking about after the game mm-hmm. was, well, what do you expect when you when you're on your third, third string, right guard? Yeah, third okay. string well, right I got guard. something to say about that. Yeah. I got something to say about that. Yes. Um, by the way, Simmons went out. And he ran off the field. At first, it looked pretty serious, the mm-hmm. knee. And then he ran. He jogged off the field. So I was thinking a couple plays he'll sure, be back. He'll be I was kind of surprised yeah. that he never came back. But you know what? Ethan Posick, okay? He right. Was, he was a second-round draft choice. Yeah, this isn't a guy you signed off the street no. a week ago. No. He was a second-round draft yeah. choice in the 2017 draft. A guy that they raved about, a guy that they wanted, a guy that they loved his flexibility. Yeah, is he is he considered right now the third-string right guard? I guess he is, but come on, he's got to be ready to play. I mean, yeah. this, this whole, I mean, they're treating this like, as you said, they got some journeyman right. that was like delivering Federal Express boxes yep. before the 49er yep. game. This is not some this is a second round draft right. choice. He's got to be you got to have coached him up. And so what does this really say? I mean, we've talked about the drafts for a long time. Yeah. What well, here's another indication of how poorly the Seahawks as an organization have drafted in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can't that you're going to make excuses for a second round draft choice who played at LSU. Right. When he has to come into the game a year and a half, two years after you drafted yeah. him, essentially, and he can't make a block, he we're going to make excuses for them mm. because he's in the game. I don't like that. Yeah, I, you, this this should not be too fast. Sometimes they say you know the game speeds up, right? Every right. level that you go to, the game. Right. He played in the SEC. He did. The game isn't faster in the SEC than it is in the NFL. You're playing against NFL guys, dudes. 
every single week. Now, as much as we've been uh, talking about the offensive line and how improved they are, yeah, this is a tough one to swallow because this is a game. Even though I know Mister Postseason's got some things to say about got plenty to say about you know the, the ramifications. Yes, yeah. But at the same time, you're playing San Francisco, a division team that you've owned in the last couple of years that you cannot afford to lose. It doesn't matter. Step on their throats. That's exactly right. Step on their throats. Absolutely step on their throats. And if you would have asked John Schneider the day that he drafted Ethan Posick out of LSU in the second round of the 2017 draft, if you would have been, if you would have expected him, hey, 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 John, do yeah. you expect Ethan Posick by 2018 December, week 15 of the NFL right. season or whatever it is, do you expect him to be starting by then? He would have, he would have laughed of course. at you. Of course. You don't so, spend a second-round so, pick on a guy yeah. that you don't think yeah. – so, so this excuse-making that they're down to their third String, right guard, yeah. no, I don't accept that because it was Ethan Posick and you drafted him in the second round and he's got to be better than that. He's got he's to be improved enough right. to be able to come in there and help out in a game against San Francisco. So I've got 10 – I've got 10 kind of random thoughts just on 10? the Seahawks. Just, I've got 10. Just 10? I, well, I've got more, but I, I've, I've limited you, it to you've, 10. Yeah, you've scrolled it down you to 10. You can use the bell. Yeah. You can, I'll give you the bell, and every time you're done with one, that'll mean yeah. to go on. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I'll give you 10, I'll give you 10 random thoughts okay. about the Seahawks and the Seahawks 49ers game. But first, guess where Jay Ham and I had lunch last Thursday? Yeah. The brand new Daniels Broiler at the Hyatt Regency. We were guests of Lindsey Schwartz. And the who's who of Seattle radio was all there, right? right? It was kind of a... It was kind of a C-list celebrity guest because <laughs> we were there and we were like, we, we brought the average down. This place is really special from the artwork to the flooring to the finishings. Honestly, I can't wait to go back. This new downtown Seattle Daniels is open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. That's right. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. If you live or work downtown, are planning an evening downtown, or are visiting Seattle, you now have a world-class choice for prime steaks and seafood. By the way, just down the block from the Paramount Theater on 8th and Howell, I'm definitely having my next pre-show dinner at Daniel's. Just take my advice. If you're looking for a memorable holiday lunch or dinner for your employees or your family in downtown Seattle, try the all-new Daniel's, locally owned by the Schwartz family and located at South Lake Union, Leshy Marina, Bellevue Place, and now at the new downtown Hyatt Regency, Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. So the Seahawks lose a crusher to San Francisco. In the end game, will it mean anything in terms of their wild card hopes and where they end up at the end of the season and who they play in the first round of the postseason if they get in? I don't think so unless they are going to decide to lose the last Both two and get to 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah. Mr. Postseason in the last segment. Also, I know I'm not supposed to promote in advance on a podcast, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. Had a great chat with a really good NHL writer about Seattle getting the NHL. I don't know anything about hockey. I know very little about Seattle getting the NHL, but I was, I, I learned a lot from uh, our guest. His name is Ryan Lambert, Yahoo Sports. Oh, you're hitting the bell. Move it closer to the microphone so we can hear. You want me to move off of that subject? No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm you're liking, just playing I'm, with I'm, the bell. I'm liking. I, this is my first time owning the bell. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you have no control of what I'm doing over here. I'm going to ring it as much as I want. Okay. But you I like the fact that you had a, a, a nice interview. and a, Really yeah, good. Really good. Re- he's really good. Yeah. And he taught me a lot. He gave me names of GMs, the first GM. He t- I, I, I was really curious about, about um, could they replicate the Vegas model? You know, Vegas mm-hmm. came in and where I come from, expansion teams in sports are supposed to suck the first six yeah. or eight years, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then that Vegas team came into the NHL and nearly – did they win it? No, they, they went to the finals. They, they lost the, finals, the Caps. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was wondering why and how and why it worked out that way and whether it can help. And so Ryan Lambert of, of, of Yahoo uh, will talk NHL with us on this episode number eight of the Mitch Unfiltered. You're having – you're Bell happy. You, you, Bell you happy. made a mistake, my man. You made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I like to do. I've got ten – random thoughts All right. about the Seahawks and the Seahawks 49ers game. The reason I've given you the bell is when you've had enough okay. of that particular thought. I can change the subject? You can just hit the bell and I'll move on. Okay. But I'd like to get your thoughts on some of these yes. kind of random Seahawks laundry list, if you would. Number one, Chris Carson. Can I just... Chris Carson. Stud. Mike Davis. Jaron Reed. They mm. all... Deserve a lot better Ooh. than the twenty six to twenty three overtime loss. I, I the the one guy that I keep coming back to is is Carson. This guy he every, runs tough. Fourth and one yep. from the one, they go for it. How about that run? He Are goes you, back two three yards. The announcer had him stopped. Yeah. Did you hear Brennan? Yeah. Brennan yeah. had him stopped. Yeah. Are you ever going to see a tougher? grittier one yard fourth and one run than that just the will of that guy to get into the end zone I love him more and more every time I see him Mm -hmm. I think he's a he he probably won't make the Pro Bowl maybe he will because of alternates or whatever this guy is the real deal the only question I have is can he play a full game and then play game after game after game 20-25 carries or does he have to come out but the guy is Yards after con, he's just he he's he's got. I hate to say it, he's got a lot of Marshawn Lynch. Absolutely, that's what people love about him. Wash, excuse me, Washington. The Seahawks have been looking for a back like him, like Marshawn Lynch, since he left. Right? They, right. they want that physical presence. Somebody that's not right. going to run out of bounds. Chris Carson is that guy. He's that guy that's willing to take on defenders. He's willing to put his head down, get his shoulder pad level right, and go ahead and take people on. How he scored on that touchdown? Yeah, I don't know how yeah. he made it in the end zone. It was a, it was a, it was a thing of beauty. Okay, okay. There's the bell. Number two. Um, while we're on the the topic of Carson, mm-hmm. it is my desire that we see more of him going to the edge, going mm. to the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, they fall in love with the kind of the read option, the inside handoff. Yeah. They run their guys in there, and you look at you look at Davis. And you look at at Carson and their styles, and they look like kind of in between the guards, kind of or right. in between the tackles, tackles types yeah. of runners. Yeah. But on the rare occasion that they toss it to Carson going wide, or they give it to him on the inside handoff, and he kind of shakes it to the outside, yeah. he does a lot of damage, and so does Davis to the outside. I think it's probably because teams' defenses are concentrating. They just know that the M.O. of the Seahawks running game is to run those guys right. inside. Yep. So I have a request, and I know that I've had requests before, and we're going to talk about one that I've had. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, requesting, I'm requesting more exterior runs for Carson and Davis. Okay. okay. All right. Get them to the edge. Yep. They were very successful against the 49ers when they went Indeed. to the edge. All right, I heard the bell. 
Number three, random list number three. I'm not sure. In all, I'm I'm obsessed with the pass rush. Oh, really? Mike Holmgren I've, told I've me that nev- a long time I've ago. I've never heard that before. I'm obsessed with the pass yeah. rush. I'm trying to remember a game where we had both extremes, like the game against the 49ers. Okay. For the first half, I, I, it was like they, they were rushing zero. That's Forget right. rushing Nothing. four or three. No pressure whatsoever. No penetration. Yeah. This guy Mullins threw for 176 yards in the first half, mm-hmm. 12.6 yards per attempt. And they were getting zero penetration. And all of a sudden, something happened in the second half. Late in the late, second half. Late, late. They started pounding yeah. him. Yeah. Read up the – I mean, they, yeah. they started getting a lot of penetration yep. into the backfield. So, um, I don't know what to think as a man obsessed with a pass rush about that game. But there was a little bit of great stuff, and there was not so so mm-hmm. much in the first – so, it was like a, a tale of two – it felt like two different games mm-hmm. from a pass rush perspective. Uh, number four, can we talk Sebastian? Can we talk Seabass? No, we can't. We actually can't. That was <laughs> – now listen, I, is he hurt? Is he hurt? Is he, is he, is he hurt, Mitch? No, he's fat. Okay, okay. Because – Unless you call that hurt. I mean, he's fat. Well, he's fat. He's out of shape and he's fat. And he doesn't he, – he looked like he has no desire to put himself in harm's way. Right? I, I could not believe the effort – the effort to at least what usher usher somebody to the sideline, yeah. throw your body at somebody, yeah. make it difficult to yeah. slow some nothing. Okay, can I can I add something to that? Can I add sure. a layer to what you're saying? Sure, a layer of fat. No, yeah, oh. a couple a couple layers of fat. Okay, I'm gonna take what you just said. I'm gonna multiply it times three. Okay, okay, yeah. What happened on the play before that? He missed. The extra point. That's right. Okay? Yep. They score a touchdown. He misses the extra mm-hmm. point. On the ensuing kickoff, he's the last opportunity to make a play. He should be pissed about right. missing the extra right. point, right? Zero effort. Yeah. To not, now, I don't know if he makes an effort, whether he knocks the guy out of bounds or whether he slows Slow the guy down. down. I don't know what an effort actually what what it ends up what what comes about well what came about was eight points you missed the extra point and you give up seven that's right well that's what came about that's i don't know about but but i you know and, and i don't remember ever in all the years i'm doing this yeah. ever criticizing a kicker or a punter yeah. for yeah. lack of an effort to make a tackle but i don't know something really struck me and really pissed me off about those two things, the missed extra point and then the zero effort to try sure. to stop the guy in back-to-back play. I think if it was just one and not the other, yeah, yeah. I might I, have I been able it. to live with it. But there, but it, it, he 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 double he double double dipped. He double dipped. Yeah, he double dipped. He double dipped <laughs> on me, and I just I, I mean I. <laughs> okay, no, so you can ring the bell if you like, but I had to get Janikowski. You, you have to. Oh God! You and, have to. and that one point, by the way, not that who knows, who knows that one yeah. point, um, the extra point. Um, number five, the defense. I already mentioned it a little bit in the first half. Embarrassing. They reminded Struggled. me. They Huge. reminded me of the way they performed against the Carolina Panthers yeah. on the road, a game that they somehow won, yeah. but they were giving up chunks and chunks in yardage. I just watching the, and I couldn't help but think Monday night layover or. 
you know, I don't know what let me, it is. Let me ask you this. K.J. Wright, you, t- you last last time out, you gave me the numbers on K.J. Wright. You yep. gave me his rankings, his ratings. You gave me his all-pro, Pro Bowl, all of that. I did. What did you think of K.J. Wright? Excuse me. <laughs> Bobby Wagner. I, I didn't think Bobby Wagner. I, don't, I didn't think Bobby Wagner played his best game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's move on from that because that's like me <laughs> saying that the center. Okay, that's good. me in the center from last time when I was like, in my mind, I was thinking KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner. Let's move on. I'd like to get KJ Wright. Oh, there you see, you could have rung yeah, the bell I'm, on you. Listen, I'm trying to erase that part of the segment. <laughs> Moving on. Screen passes. There I you have go. died and gone to heaven. How yeah. about a Mitch unfiltered applause? Yeah, that's a, that's a huge one. Not one. Oh, several. We got two. Yeah. We may have gotten three. I think they tried. I think they were thinking three. We got two. I, I don't know why. And yeah. all of a sudden, they're throwing a screen pass. But I, I'm just gonna say, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hurt myself, pat myself on the back. But they get 19 easy yards on the first one, yeah. and on the second one, it's set up to go probably 15 or 20 if J.R. Sweezy can come out there and make one block. They are one, one block away. Yeah. He whiffed. He just totally whiffed. But two? I mean, I go from not getting a screen pass for game for, two? for like eight games in a row. I get two in one game. I don't even know. It's like Halloween. I mean, I, I get this bag full of candy. I don't even know what to do with myself. Uh, I thought Russell, number seven, I thought Russell played well. Yeah. Except for one play really pissed me off. Which is? Well, I can show it to you. You probably don't remember. I can show it to you because I have a still shot. Yeah. There was a third and short in the second half of the game. It was like third and one. And you expe- everybody expected him to run. Mm-hmm. And then kind of a weird play call. They they play action. Then they rolled him out to his yeah. right. And he held the ball, held the ball, held the ball, held the ball, threw it in incomplete. incomplete. And they yeah. had to punt the ball. Yeah. You, Chris you, Carson. Oh, it's wide open. Just, just, just right in front of it. Yeah, just go ahead and dump it off. Here, you want me to show it to yeah, you? Yeah, I love this it. Be, yeah. This would be great on yeah. Mitch on You want yeah. to see it? I, I do want to see it. I'm going to show it to you. This doesn't really work for a, a live broadcast. Well, a it podcast. Work it doesn't work at all. Yeah. It doesn't work anytime. But I'm going I'm to do it. Show. I'm going to show, show it to you. Do people know you're technologically challenged that you're trying to dial this up? I'm going to show you. Okay, here. Just it can't take, be worse than me saying KJ Wright, here. can it? Here, here's third. Ignore that Fox puts on the ground third and four because it's third and, and one. one. You can see where the yellow line is and where the line of scrimmage is. I took that still shot. Oh, yeah. He rolls out to his right. Look at Chris Carson. What, what is Richard Sherman, the closest guy, doing? He's turned his back, essentially, yep. on Chris. All he has to do is toss that ball to Chris yep. Carson for an easy first down to extend the play, extend the series. Or and, run it. Um, or run it. I don't know. This guy right here. Yeah. This is great for podcasts. But just... <laughs> <laughs> right here. Yeah, just, right just, here. Just toss it. Just trust, toss him the tr- ball. Trust us when we say that this still shot is... It, just toss him know, the ball. He's got a chance to... I tweeted it out yesterday. Just, yeah. toss, the, just toss him the ball. Yeah. Okay? All right. All right. So that's uh, that's number seven on Russell Wilson. Number eight, more shabby clock management. Mm. Do I have to do this every Monday dropping like of it. a Mitch Unfiltered? Sounds like do it. Do I? Yeah, it sounds like it because they struggle. <sighs> it's not... It's not rocket science. It's not. It's pretty easy. It's the end of the second quarter. Yeah. Um, the 49ers have the ball. They're yeah. in position to score. It's second down. They don't get the first down on second down. So third down's coming. And it's like there's a minute and 45 seconds to go. And 
The Seahawks have two timeouts left. The Se- and the, the 49ers are right near the goal line. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the top, in the bu- 10 or 15. There's not a timing issue for the 49ers. They've got plenty of time. they got their own timeouts, whatever. Yeah. And so you're either going to give up a score, either a touchdown or a field goal, uh, and then you're going to get the ball back. You've got two timeouts. And they let... The 49ers take 30 seconds off the clock. They just and they. Just I disagree. There. You disagree on what? I disagree. What? If they have their own timeouts, let them run it down. What? You, because you think you're going to stop them and have more time? No, coming. I'm just saying. Either way, you you're going to have the ball back. Yeah. So why not? You want the ball back with as much time as possible. Why would you? I, I get that. Why would you not? That. Why would you not? Why would you let them I, I just listen, voluntarily leak the clock to a minute and fifteen seconds? I, I mean, it made no, made zero sense. There's like, there's like, with all due respect, there's like no, there is no, <laughs> there's no argument. There's, I, you can, there's I can't no make rationalization. Yeah, okay. you can if you okay. want to try. Okay. I mean, okay. I, somebody was, they were tweeting me. Oh, he was just being conservative. No, no, he was, he was being stupid. Mm. Wasn't being conservative. Was being stupid. There is no explanation to to not using a timeout there and and allowing the 49ers to take go from one forty five to one fifteen before they run the third right. down play. So you're, you're basically, it's, a, the, it's, a, it's it's one plus one equals two. Right. The philosophy is they're going to score something, and they've got plenty of time to stop clocks and use right. timeouts and kick field goals and throw or pass full playbook. There was they weren't in a time. If you if the offense is in a time crunch, gotcha. then you may not want to stop it for Absolutely. them. There was no time crunch for them. That's right. It was just another example, and it's not just the Seahawks. I I, I you pull see my it hair across I, the league. It's across the league, yeah. it doesn't. I, the NFL with all the billions of dollars in the NFL. These guys should hire. I mean, maybe well, the do. analytics guys they have to they have to run the scenarios on that and say, okay, what well, you got X number of timeouts in this situation. What what's the deal? I mean, we've seen it in, in my comfy for- chair. I didn't need to run any analytics. Okay, you just on that. like call okay. a timeout. Just yeah, Please. call a timeout. Go ahead, call a timeout. Um, number nine. Doug Baldwin. Yeah, he was I was good. starting to forget how much He's I good. love Doug Baldwin. He's a difference maker. He is. Those two touchdown catches. Yeah. One in the corner was beautiful. It was a beautiful throw, yep. but it was not the easiest of catches. He had to catch yep. and get his feet down. And then the second one. Hello. Going high in the air and then making the, the, moves. the, the moves and the run after the catch. He's tough. And getting into the end zone. I was just starting to forget what Doug Baldwin means to me and that team. And I, I, there were stats floating around last week on Twitter about their past game when he's just present, mm-hmm. just his presence, whether he's catching the ball or not, sure. just just him being on the field changes everything. Boy, it was nice to see him get in the end zone twice. And then number 10 would be the tight ends. Did we talk a little about George Kittle? I don't have no idea who that is. Okay, you do now. I don't. You do now. I have no idea. The last episode of oh Mitch Unfiltered gosh. was called, we titled it, George Kittle. George Kittle. Okay. You know, you're prepared. Let me get this straight. The Seahawks are preparing for a team that they know throws the ball to the tight end a higher percentage of the time than Than any team in the national football. You know that. And the guy went for 200 plus. And you just just played them two weeks ago. Right. You've watched him in particular have 210 yards receiving in the first half of their previous game. Yeah. So you know they don't use their receivers as much as they use their tight ends. And yet I'm watching tight ends catch up, especially in the first half. I'm watching. He only had three catches. Okay, but the tight ends had like five or six for 130. Yeah. yeah. And, And more than that. 
They're catching the ball, and there's no wide open. It's, it's just like it's it's like the defensive people yeah. for the Seahawks are going. What tight ends? Oh, yeah. we have to cover the tight yeah. ends. Like you they're covering know? the circumference. Okay, uh, yeah. Okay, you guys didn't know. Yeah. You, I, I just couldn't believe how open the tight ends were after all of the discussion about the 49ers use George Kittle and yeah. and their their tight ends, Selleck and whoever it is more than – they don't even throw the ball hardly to Dante Pettis or anybody no. else. They throw them to the tight ends, and they're running free. And this goes back to how many years – our Have Seahawks we seen fans. tight ends go crazy? You go back to Carolina, Olsen going crazy. I mean, you, you just, it's and just maybe, a fact. Maybe this is what, again, you sign up for when you have Pete Carroll as a head coach. You get penalties, you get 14 penalties, and you just know you're not going to be able to to cover a tight end well, how about, in his era, how, no matter how long he's in a, he's, at a, he's, he's in the Seahawks how about, organization. How about next game against yeah. Kansas City? Oh, my God. Uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah. I think he's pretty good. I think he's already at 1,200-plus yards yes, on the season. Yes. So I'm just saying, if you're if you're worried about George Kittle, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey, <laughs> get <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, you would think that the Seahawks would come up with a plan for yeah, Travis maybe. Kelsey. Maybe. But judging based on what I saw in the first half against the Niners and those tight ends running around like they were playing 11 on 8, yeah, like there were 8 defenders for 11 offensive players, uh, I'm not got my hopes up that they're going to be able to slow Travis Kelsey down. It, it, seems like, it seems like maybe even the Holmgren years that we're talking mm, about the mm, Seahawks not being mm. able to defend tight, tight ends. End. I don't know if it's something in the Seattle – culture or the water or the pike place market yeah. or the stadiums but it's home and away so it's not the stadium there's something there's some block there's some defensive block about tight ends. just putting somebody on a tight end all right all right i'm craving a chopped salad and two or three slices of a chicken club pizza at zeke's pizza chicken club that's right chicken bacon spinach tomato, and red onion. I'm telling you. Mm. Zeke's Pizza, Northwest's homegrown pizza company founded in Queen Anne, 1993, celebrating the adventurous spirit and natural affinity for craftsmanship that makes the Northwest great. What is Northwest-style pizza? Dough with a sourdough bite. Toppings are full throttle on flavor, creative and different without ever losing respect for the classics. The attention to detail, noticeable. Zeke's dough is made every morning in its kitchen on Finney Ridge, delivered fresh daily to each of its 14 Puget Sound locations. Every pizza is hand-tossed when you order it. If you want to watch Sunday night Seahawks-Chiefs game with fabulous pizza and a craft beer or two, easy call. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. I'm going to try something a little different for me in the land of football, baseball, and basketball. Let's talk a little hockey because it's coming to Seattle in 2021. And joining us on the uh, on the podcast is Ryan Lambert, 10 years, a Yahoo NHL writer. And it's great to have you, Ryan. Are you as excited for hockey in Seattle as everybody else is, at least here in the Northwest? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, I was a little... Uh 
I, I don't want to say um, pessimistic, but I was a little curious to see how things would go with Vegas. And, you know, obviously it went better than anybody, including the team itself expected. Um, I, you know, I would caution any Seattle hockey fans to not get, uh, get their hopes up for a Stanley <laughs> cup final appearance. But, um, you know, for sure, I think they're, uh, th- this is, you know, a proven good sports market and, and, you know, any, any time, you know, new blood can come in and kind of shake things up. I think everybody's going to get excited. Why is Seattle good for the NHL? Why is Seattle good for the other owners in the national hockey league, Ryan? Well, like I said, it's, it's just a good, uh, sports market overall. Um, you know, every team, well, maybe, maybe not supersonics, but that was a different, uh, situation, but you know, every team has success has a good fan base, uh, you know, and, and if if a relatively quote unquote unproven sport for the market like hockey can have a fraction of the success of, of Seattle Sounders, like you know, this is going to be a huge hit for the for the league and and for the ownership group. Can you drink coffee out of the Stanley Cup? I bet you can. You know, <laughs> well, look, they've uh, they put everything from like breakfast cereal and and ice cream to I think dog food and like a literal baby who uh let's say uh did their business in there uh so I think you know coffee is well within the bounds of of that you got a favorite name for a Seattle franchise that we can pass along to the powers that be yeah I'm really hoping for the Metropolitans um you know I'm, I'm not one of these people who's like oh you know we need to bow to the history of the sport and all that kind of stuff but I, I like the name. Um, obviously, the fact that there's a metropolitan division in the NHL already is is probably uh, a bit of a hurdle. But what I really like is those damn jerseys. Who boy, those <laughs> those red, green, and white stripes, unbelievable. Yahoo Sports NHL writer Ryan Lambert is with us. Why 2021-22? That seems like a long time. Do you think that's more about the arena's completion or the pending labor problem between the owners and the players, Ryan? Uh, yes, I think it's both of those <laughs> things. Um, you know, it, it really is one of those situations where, uh, you know, the NHL can't seem to not have these labor disputes every time the uh, collective bargaining agreement comes up. And, you know, it, it, it's a situation where I wouldn't be surprised if there's another lockout. They're saying both sides are saying they don't want one um, with a lot more force and, and maybe credibility, you'd say, than. Uh, the ones in the the ones in the past, most most recently, obviously the 2012 one. Um, but yeah, also you know they they want to make sure everything in the arena is up and running. I I you know obviously Vegas put theirs up pretty quick, um, but they didn't have to I think gut a, an existing superstructure like uh, like you do in Seattle. So I think that's the the probably the bigger issue, but certainly the potential for a lockout or even strike Ryan, uh, Ryan what are large what are the what are the key issues on uh, on the uh, the separation between the owners and the players and what are the key dates I read somewhere before you coming on that in 2019 both the players and owners have an opt-out of the current yeah. deal which is supposed to expire in 2020 without getting too complicated um, what what are the what are the ingredients to getting a deal done, and how sour of a taste do you think this is going to lead in 
leave in NHL fans' mouths? And or are we immune to that in Seattle because we'll just be new and everything will be a yeah. novelty, and we'll just ignore the fact that that uh, other fans are pissed off at the players and owners? Yeah, I don't think anybody in Seattle would really have a reason to care. You know, um, I I can't imagine a scenario where it would be another full season lockout like oh four oh five. So even if you come back and you only play the 48 or something, whatever the number ends up being, um, I, I don't think that's a huge uh, concern for Seattle fans. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, you know, if other fans are pissed off and they should be, uh, if there's another labor stoppage, um, just because the owners have taken so much from the players in the last, I guess, three lockouts now, um, you know, it's one of those situations where I think owners are really happy with the deal they've got because of how much they've taken, but players, you know, have concerns about how much they're putting into escrow because the league uh, keeps missing revenue projections or whatever. Yeah. Um, players want to go back to the Olympics and obviously the league does too, because the Olympics are going to be in China uh, next time around. And that's a big, a way bigger market for them than, you know, Korea it was and is, um, so I, you know, I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I think escrow would probably be the single biggest thing, and player, just players are p- putting what they think is way too much into it, and I don't know how they sort that out because again, it's just you know based on revenue projections. But you know, attendance is down too. I don't know what you can do about that. It, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, I, I, I don't know what what else the owners could want, but. I also don't know what they'd be willing to give up at this point. I understand, so, who knows? Yeah. Uh, Yahoo Sports, Ryan Lambert. He's been writing the NHL for Yahoo for 10 years. Uh, before you go, Ryan, help me understand, and I got to say, full disclosure, you're talking to a guy who grew up in the 70s in Florida with no, no talk of hockey and has lived in Seattle for the last 25 years. So I know personal fouls in football, but I don't know icing in hockey. You know, where I come from, in the other sports, an expansion team is supposed to suck for the first 10 years. Yeah, uh, sure. This Vegas team came out of the gates so fast, and I know maybe the NHL and other owners think that they made mistakes on protected players. I understand seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender were able to be protected. Teams lost great players. The guy from Columbus, I guess his name is Carlson, came and scored yep. 45 goals for Vegas. What was it that made them get so good so fast, and what kind of adjustments do you think the NHL will make so that it doesn't happen that easy in Seattle the next time around? Well, Seattle Seattle's getting the exact same expansion draft rules as Vegas did, um, except Vegas is exempt from it. Uh, and and so, yeah, I mean, it's just 30 teams putting up one player. And, and like you said, the, the, the breakdown of the players available is is just way broader than, than it, you know, in the early 2000s and the late 90s expansion drafts and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, and so... I, people don't like to hear this sort of thing, uh, but the reason Ve- Vegas was so good all season and, and into the playoffs is they got really lucky. Their their goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury, was 930. I think he's like a 918 career goalie. Um, and, and uh, you know, uh, William Carlson, who you mentioned, yeah, he scored 41 goals. His career high before that was, I think, 6 or uh-huh. 10 maybe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and, and, you know, teams did give them good players and, and like 
the the two, William Carlson's two line mates, um, the the two guys from Florida, Marcia So and Riley Smith. Um, they were just really good players that nobody really understood why Florida gave them up. And, and so like, I think GMs will just generally be smarter about like maybe not enticing Vegas to take players, uh, you know, with draft picks yeah, and, and, and that sort of thing. And they'll have three years to kind of position themselves, right? They're probably starting yeah, now. It, There's probably GMs right now that are starting to think about whenever it oh, is absolutely. 2021, yeah, like let's, let's, runway. yeah, let's put our, let's put ourselves in a position roster wise where we, we, we don't get ourselves in trouble with the Seattle team. Yeah. And, and also, you know, um, there's a lot, a lot of the guys Seattle or uh, Vegas ended up getting were, you know, salary dump kind of a players. Like we'll give you a draft pick. We'll give you a prospect. If you take this guy whose contract stinks off our hands and um, you know, to your point, they now have three years to make sure they don't have, those contracts on the books and if there is a labor stoppage the thing that often happens with with labor stoppages is the league gives them the uh the option for a compliance buyout which is to say that like they could buy somebody out and not have that guy count against their cap at all um which you know just gives teams more wiggle room to not give seattle the same kind of sweet deals they gave vegas Ryan Lambert of, uh, of Yahoo Sports writes the NHL nationally for Yahoo. A couple last ones for you. So if, if other teams as GMs are now starting the process of protecting themselves for the expansion draft in Seattle, I, I think the next thing you're going to tell me is Seattle is going to have to hire a GM pretty quickly here uh, to be the first ever GM of the new Seattle franchise. How soon should yeah, they? How, how soon should they do it, Ryan? And do you have any names for us that I know that I won't recognize the names? But what, right. ki- what kind of job? What kind of job will this be? Will somebody leave an existing franchise to come here, or will it be like an assistant GM somewhere else? What kind of guy will be the next GM or uh, here in Seattle, or first GM in Seattle? The the names you're seeing floated, honestly, are like guys who I would like if I, I think if Seattle hired them, they'd be foolish. Um, a lot of a lot of guys who like used to be the GM of the Canucks or used to be the GM of the Maple Leafs, um, but don't don't necessarily have particularly good track records. Um, Mike Gillis and Dave Nonis, uh, respectively, are those two guys that I've I've seen connected with them. A guy I think I think would be really interesting, and we haven't really had his name discussed much. Uh, or heard his name discussed discussed much, I guess I should say, is uh, Steve Eiserman, who was you uh-huh. know obviously uh, one of the Red Wings yeah. uh, greats of the '80s and '90s, but also he was a really successful GM with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning the last several years, and recently, you know, kind of took a leave of absence from that job. He, he went home to he lives in the Greater Detroit area. He went home there and. There's, you know, there's talk that he might be interested. His contract with Tampa is up at the end of the season, um, and that's a, around the time I would expect Seattle to hire their GM. Nice. And and you know, I, I think if they hire Eiserman, he has a great track record as a GM, um, and 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 developing young players and all that kind of thing that you would want Seattle to to have. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of talk that he would take over the Red Wings job, which would obviously make a lot of sense, especially because the, the stated reason that he went home from Tampa is that he just like missed his family who still all lived in Detroit sure. of the, of the names I've seen floated. Um, it's Iserman and then take your pick of any number of candidates. I don't think would be any good, but 
yeah, I, I think they would kind of stay away from the uh, current assistant GM crowd just because, again, you know, you kind of want someone with experience. Last question for you, Ryan. How many times will Seattle face Vancouver? I know they'll be in the same Pacific Division of the Western Conference. How often will they play, and and what do you expect? Do you expect just a natural, really terrific rivalry to take shape in a in a short period of time between those two franchises? Yeah, I mean, you play each other five or six times a year uh, if you're in the same division, which obviously Seattle would be. Um, so, you know, that, that'll, get the, that'll get the rivalry going really quickly, um, especially because I think a, a lot of people who are currently Canucks fans, uh, given the state of that franchise, which isn't great, but it's getting better. They have a lot of exciting young talent. I, I think that a lot of people who are maybe currently Canucks fans but living in Washington and that sort of thing, uh, would just be like, oh, I'm going to be a Seattle fan now. Right. And, and, and you know, good for them, I guess. But, you know, the, the decision to jump ship could, I guess, kind of fuel that uh, that rivalry even more, where you're like, oh, this is my the team I used to like, but now I don't get to like them or whatever. All right, Ryan, thank you so much. I guess I'm rooting for the Metropolitan name and Steve Eiserman to become the first general manager here in Seattle. You Can't got go me wrong convinced. on either one. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. I hope we can call upon you another time. Thanks so very much Absolutely. for being with us. Appreciate it very Thanks much. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thank you. That's Ryan Lambert, the NHL writer for Yahoo. It's been a couple of years since Land Rover produced the Defender, but it's coming back and really spectacular. The order list is already filling up at Jag Land Rover of Bellevue, but Al and Dimitri have both promised me that listeners of the Mitch Unfiltered podcast go to the front of the line. Just read a road and track piece on their most highly anticipated 2019 vehicles, and there she is, the Land Rover Defender. It will still be an aluminum-bodied truck with off-road chops, but this time it'll ride on the same unibody platform as the Range Rover, says Road and Track. Can't beat Land Rover of Bellevue, all I've driven in the last 12 years. Vehicles I've either leased or owned from this great dealership, and the sales squad is incredible without the stress. A service department which is the best, whether you got your car there or not. And a pre-owned selection, by the way, not too shabby. Check them out this holiday season, just off of 520 on Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Unfiltered. It's episode number eight, available on iTunes and all the platforms for podcasts. Also, we'd like you to become a patron if you're enjoying it. If you want us to continue on, uh, you go to MitchUnfiltered.com. That's the official website of the the Mitch Unfiltered podcast. And you click on Become a Patron. And for $5 a month or whatever it is that you want to spend, you become a patron and you have access to bonus episodes how would you describe bonus episodes so every now and again i'll do an interview or we'll do a mr a little longer do something different it's a good it's actually a good segue so for this podcast we're waiting for the carolina new orleans game on the monday night this is being recorded before the carolina new orleans game Mm -hmm. right so mr postseason is not going to be ready for a full a full true blue Mr. Postseason until after all the games right. have been completed, right. especially in the NFC. Yep. So we will do a special patron edition of Mr. Postseason for like Tuesday or Wednesday, and then maybe come back 
and do do something on the Thursday episode number nine. But for today, after we get through some of the laundry list of other stuff in the sports world mm-hmm. that we want to talk about, mm-hmm. um, we'll do kind of an overview on where the Seahawks, what the loss to the 49ers means and what's on the line for right. the Chiefs game and what the overall outlook is. But a full-fledged Mr. Postseason will come via the patron route this week only because we drop on Mondays and Thursdays and the Monday night game needs to be considered That's because right. of Carolina still in it if they win it. And New Orleans, of course, for the number one sure. seed overall. So lot, there's a lot, lot going on. Going on yeah. A lot going on. So we'll do a full-fledged Mr. Postseason on a patron edition coming up here very shortly. Uh, Laundry List, and you can, uh, you can continue with the bell if you'd like. Love the bell. Uh, go off. Um, We've we've been talking about the Washington Husky basketball team. Oh. Uh, they've had they've played a tough schedule. They yeah. played three or four really quality non conference yep. games, so they get credit for playing them. They do, but they haven't beaten anybody. That's right. They're they're one of three teams in the country that have played three top twenty five teams: Duke, Gonzaga, Washington. They're the only teams in America that have played a schedule as tough. Uh, as the Washington Huskies have played, and and you know two of those were true road games, Auburn and Gonzaga, and then obviously the Virginia Tech game, um, the other night, yep, uh, in in Atlantic City. That being said, uh, this team is is sitting in a really tough position now, at seven and four with no quality win over a really great opponent. Then they've beaten some teams that were projected to be good, Western Kentucky. Uh, University of San Diego. Uh, they lost a tough one at the buzzer or near the buzzer against Minnesota. That would have been a good win. Which they should have won. And that, that, that one good win. could be the one that comes back to haunt them. Right. Um, well, Gonzaga, well, they, had a, they had an I'm unbelievable talking, yeah, chance I'm against talking about, Gonzaga. Yeah, you're right. You're and right. That's a, that's a difference. That's that's a season maker, A right? changer. To, yeah. to win on their home floor. Correct. So, so you've got a few things going on. With the Huskies, mm-hmm. as I understand it. Number mm-hmm. one, okay, the good thing is you've played a tough non-conference yes. schedule, which has given you an RPI lift up in the early season. That's right. In the early season. You haven't beaten anybody, mm-hmm. but I think really what compounds the problem, which is 1A, that was 1, 1A on my laundry list, is the Pac-12. Correct. That's where the problem really Brutal. becomes exaggerated. I mean, just I'll just give you, and you can go off, I, I'll give you Saturday's result. Just yep. Saturday... Uh, Washington lost yes. to Virginia Tech. Arizona lost at home in Tucson to Baylor, who's a six and three team. Right. Utah lost by twenty seven to Kentucky. UCLA lost at home to Belmont. Belmont. Right. USC lost to Oklahoma. Uh, Oregon State lost to a four and four Texas A and M team that Washington beat. And mm-hmm. California won Struggle. by one over a Cal three Poly. and six Cal Poly team. Yes. So, so if if the Pac twelve were a good solid conference. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't fret so much about the fact that they went 0 for 4, 0 for 5 against really good non-conference teams. Yeah. The problem that you have is you throw the two things in. It's like the Sebastian Janikowski comments. That's right. Could I live with the miss extra point? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Can I live with the lack of effort on the on the kickoff Indeed. return? That's yep. hard for me. But yep. can I live with both of them back to back? No. It's, it's too I tough. I can't live with both of them back to back. So. Can I live with the fact that they haven't won a tough non-conference game? Well, if the Pac-12 were solid and they win some games in the Pac-12 and they finish 12-6 and six and they make the tournament and all's well that ends well. Right. But can I live with the fact that they didn't win a good non-conference game and the Pac-12 is just... When these, ratings, when these conference ratings come out, they're going to be below some 
some mid-major they, conferences, they, aren't they? Right. They're certainly of the Power Five. They're auto. Seventh. They're auto. <laughs> they're auto five. They're auto five of the Power Five. Right. Then you start getting into what middle tier conference is actually better than the Pac-12 at this point, and could they be? Number seven, possibly. They could drop all the way to number seven. So really what you're saying, Mitch, is you're looking at a Pac-12 that there's not enough opportunity to have quality wins in conference that move the needle. That's really what we're talking about because no one else did anything. Now, Arizona State is is flying the flag right now for the conference. They are currently Do you ranked- know off the top of your head if Washington plays them twice? Arizona they State do. this year, okay. So they're so they have two shots at Arizona State. Oh, actually, I know we go there, and I'm trying to think: do we have them at home? And actually, I'm not sure we do have them at home. Okay, I know we go there, yeah, but okay. I can't remember okay. off the top of my head. That's fine. But regardless, there's just not enough opportunity to 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 find those signature wins, especially when you have teams that aren't ranked. That, where, where are you getting it? Okay, so the committee sits down with your resume, yeah. and, and we're a little bit in, a, you know, we're a little bit uh, early on. Yeah, this. I mean, yeah, we're but, in early but December. But the 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 committee sits down with Washington's resume, yep, and they're looking for reasons to put them in. Yep. Okay, they're not going to find it in quality wins, even if they have a great Pac-12 season. Nope. Let's say they beat. They, let's say they beat Oregon twice. Yep. I don't know if they will or they mm-hmm. won't. But let's say mm-hmm. they beat Oregon once and Arizona State once, and yeah. everybody else is not yeah. very good. So Washington's resume strength the schedule. Well, well, first the first part of the resume, which is who they who they beat, yeah. is going to be it's going to be really no matter what it'll it's be gonna limited. Be, it's going to be limited. Yeah. Okay. So and they're going to look at strength of schedule and they're going to like that. Yeah. Unless the Pac-12, as they play the Pac-12, their strength of schedule starts to drop because the Pac-12 is so bad. Maybe it's not going to be very yeah. good. That would happen as, as the season goes on, but I think what they've done because. What I just mentioned, Duke, Gonzaga, Washington, the only teams that have played three top 25s, right? Right. That alone okay. will, will will hold them. Okay. It'll hold them in a stead. But but that in and of itself is not going to get them in just because they played a good no. – No, you got to win. Straight, so you got to win some games. You got to win. So at the end, really, what is their calling card? Well, their calling card is going to be that they're going to have to do – gangbusters mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. They're going to have to put up a really kind of impressive looking number, even though when you look into it, you're going to see, oh, there's only a win over Arizona State and Oregon. Yeah. But if they, let's say they went, I don't know, they went 15 and three. Yep. That would be, it would be, re- almost, no matter how poor the the conference's reputation yeah. is, it would be virtually impossible for a committee to look at a yep. resume of a Pac-12 team and say, okay, they played some really good out-of-conference games, but they lost them. Yep. But they threw 15-3 and three at us. Yeah, They've thrown 15 to the regular season Pac-12 champs, and they do whatever in the Pac-12 tournament. They throw 15. It's going to be really almost impossible for you to say no to that team. But then you start going to 14-4 and four and 13-5 and five and 12-6, and six, and it becomes very slippery at that point, right? I don't think at 12-6 and six you have a shot. I don't even think you have a shot. You got to win the Pac-12 tournament at yes. that, for the autom- automatic. Yes, I don't bid, even right? think if you, if you go twelve and six in the turn or in the conference, I don't think you have a shot. So ring the bell, okay? Ring the bell, and let's graduate to like one C, which okay. is just the state of the Pac-12 right now. Oh, it's brutal. And I don't mean the Pac-12 basketball. I'm I just know the state of the Pac, the Pacific Twelve Conference, the commissioner, mm-hmm. the TV contracts, yeah. 
the poor play in the in football, yeah. the lack of a true contender for the playoffs, the the direct TV thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it just the refereeing. Did yeah. I mention that? It just seems like. God, the Pac-12 is just struggling. Yeah. Right. The business the of the Pac-12 is struggling. It needs a complete overhaul. I think Feels they need like a, new, it, right? a new commissioner. Feels a new, like it. I don't know. It just seems like it's now. You might say, but Mitch, you know, volleyball and tennis right. and swimming. There's some good things going yeah. on. But it just seems like, and that right, is all true. So it just seems like there's a lot of downward momentum right yeah. now, just to the entirety of the Pac-12 conference. Well, what what runs the conference? Football. Football runs the conference, right? And it's a carryover from last year. One one and eight in bowl games, and they're zero and one to start this Correct. year. With Arizona, Arizona State, State losing, losing to Fresno State. Yes, right? yeah. In a game that you go, okay, Arizona State was ranked in the top twenty-five early and now all of a sudden they lose to Fresno State. So you play to, to win, win the, the game. game. That's right. exactly right. 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 So yeah. you do those things. It's a carryover from last year from football bowl record into all of the myriad of things that you just mentioned. And now basketball in full swing has not had success at least early in the conference. And there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of external pressure. There's a lot of fan pressure because football and basketball are not on top. It's one thing to have volleyball and swimming and lacrosse and you know baseball and all the other sports do really well. And, and the Pac-12 is a premier conference across the board in sports. But when you don't have your two prominent sports be right there at the top and you're starting to get relegated to second tier – uh, to to middle tier, yeah. you're definitely. It's, it's yeah. like the neighborhood that you go down the street, and there's that one house on the neighborhood that used to be right, super spectacular yep. in its day. Yep. And if somebody kept it up, it would be a nice looking kind of nice old traditional house. But instead of keeping it up, it's kind of beaten down. Yeah. It's kind of run down, and it's kind of bringing the neighborhood down. Correct. And, and while the house of the SEC is like this mansion with gates and and like the Big 12 <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the Big 10, you've got the Pac-12, the once proud Pac-12 house that just needs something. Right. It needs somebody yeah. to come in and just renovate. Okay, hit the bell. Uh, let's see here. Did you know that the, if I said the name Kayvon Thibodeau, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, you, it would be like George Kittle, right? Yeah. Number one player. In high school football, according to ESPN. Now that you've said that, you know. I know. He's the Oregon commit. Westlake Village, California. Mm-hmm. Defensive end, 6'5", 234. He's the first ever number one high school player in the country to sign. Or I guess he's not signed. I guess he's verbally committed, committed mm-hmm. to Oregon. Oregon. Yep. Yeah. So the Ducks get a little bit better, which doesn't make any University of Washington fan very happy. No. So there's that. You can ring the bell. Let's move on. Um, and then the Zag, I was going to mention the Zags. You know, when the Zags lose a game, it's it's nice to at least mention it on Mitch Unfiltered when the weasel goes to Chapel Hill and finds leave himself. Alone. Leave that uh, man alone. You said, by the way, I that did. you don't think the Zags are as good as everybody makes them out to be. I, I think you're a little crazy on that, but but – you gotta, you gotta give it to the guy. Plays everybody. He has I, to. You have to because of the WCC. Yeah, the, yeah. Now there's a schedule that you're declining. Yeah. Every time you play a conference game, the Portland Pilots. Yeah, you go down. Yeah. In your RPI, who you they, go down? Okay, off the top of my head, Washington, Tennessee, Duke, 
mm-hmm. North Carolina. I, I know I'm forgetting some. They've played everybody yeah. already. Yeah. Their, so, their schedule is amazing, and it has to be. You know what? And you, you get give them credit because they're competitive and they win those games and you know they're or, or they're they're down to the wire. Uh but right now, without Killian Tilly, who's a shooter for them, who who will be back without their backup point guard, who's a fifth year guy who's gonna help spell Josh Perkins, they're not a complete team yet, but they're also not whoops, hey. Yeah. They're also not the team that I told you when I watched them in person, I didn't think they were as good as they were last year. I thought they were better last year, and I still believe that for this year, and that's why I think they're vulnerable to losing some of these games. We'll see where they end up because they they could easily run the table from here on out having lost a couple of games. Okay, so if I said to you in Vegas, and this isn't, I'm just making this up, but if I said to you in Vegas, the over-under mm-hmm. on the amount of games that the Gonzaga Bulldogs will lose starting with their conference regular season through their conference tournament, Starting at their conference regular season yes, when through it starts, the tournament. Through the tournament. If I told you that the over under on losses yeah. is a half. Yeah. Would you bet they're gonna Ooh. have more than a half of a loss once they start their regular season conference? Does St. Mary's have anything this year? Does anybody I guess Loyola yeah. Marymount's supposed to be pretty good this year? I I, I would I would would you I would take, take the, the over? over? I would you take, think they'll lose one. I think they'll lose one. They'll lose one. They'll lose one. If you if you said one and a half, yeah, I think it's a more interesting conversation. <laughs> but a half, I take I take the All one. Right. All right, all right. Uh, quick overview before we get on out of here for episode number eight. Quick, quick little Mister Postseason, but this is not the full thing. The okay. full fledged thing will come via Patreon, the Patreon site, the Patreon site mm-hmm. after we get through the Monday night game between the Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. Just to give you a sense, you knew going in. Everybody knew by now that going in, if the Seahawks beat the 49ers, they're in the playoffs. They clinch a playoff right. spot. You heard that a million times mm-hmm. on the broadcast. You heard it a million times before the broadcast. Yep. So all Mr. Postseason is going to say to you for today is the the immediate thought should be, okay, well then, if they beat the Chiefs, they clinch the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is not true. Oh, and- It's a little subtlety to the playoff process. Oh. It's not true. I've, now, people are going to say, how is that? I've been po- paying attention. I've been paying attention. Okay. How, but how is it, Mr. Postseason, that they could win a game this Sunday and they lost it, but they could have won it and clinched a playoff spot, so they turn around and win the next one mm. and it doesn't clinch a playoff? How is that possible? It's because the next game is against an AFC opponent. And that's right. An and AFC that's right. opponent. So, now, that doesn't mean that they won't clinch. Sure, there's other things, other things that could happen. So, so we've talked about this before. Um, if they win the KC game... Mm-hmm. And lose the air. Are they really going to lose the Arizona game at home after they win the KC game? I guess they could. I can't. Is Josh Rosen it. coming in here? No. I don't think he's coming in here and beating them. No. We've seen that act before, by the way, where the Cardinals with with Arians come yeah. come in and they always seem to mm-hmm. spoil something at mm-hmm. the end of the season. So, so what is the scenario, Mister Postseason? That why isn't it that they clinch if they beat the Chiefs? Well, what could still happen is the Redskins. Right, the Redskins a, a can still win happen. against the Jags. The Redskins, yeah, they they beat the Jags on Sunday yeah. to stay uh, at seven and seven. Right, so they have a chance to win the last two to get to nine and seven. So if you do the math on it real quickly without doing the full fledged Mister Postseason, sure. which is coming up on on a, on another episode, you could figure it out, right? So you've got the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. 
they are at seven, six, and one. Correct. So if they win out, the Vikings, they can finish nine, six, and one. Mm-hmm. They they can't win the North, so mm-hmm. they would nine, six, and one would be better than a nine and seven Seahawks team Correct. with a win over the Chiefs or a win over the Cardinals. Right, mm-hmm. nine, six, and one is better than nine and mm-hmm. seven. So how do they lose that second wild card? Well, Washington, if the one win is against Kansas City and they lose to Arizona, Washington could finish nine and seven. Seattle would be nine and seven. They both would be seven and five against the conference because Seattle's win is against an AFC team. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's flipped, it's fine. You right. win, you're, you're in. And f- yeah, you're, no, yeah. no. If it's flipped, if yeah. you lose KC and beat Arizona, and, yeah. you're fine. Yeah. Right. Because you got the yeah. eight and four, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is just if you lose, if you win the Kansas City game and lose the Arizona mm-hmm. game, you leave yourself a little bit vulnerable to a Washington team that goes undefeated the remainder of the way. Right. Okay. So, but it's not definite. That's where it's really kind of gray. It's ambiguous because if I go through the tiebreakers with you, they both would be nine and seven. This is again a Seahawks team that beats Kansas City AFC. but loses to Arizona. Yeah. They'd both be nine and seven, Washington and Seattle. They would both. The next tiebreaker is did they play? No. The next tiebreaker is conference record. In this case, they'd both be seven and five. The next mm. tiebreaker is common opponents minimum four. They played five games against common opponents, in this one of which was Arizona. In the situation where they beat Kansas City and lose to Arizona, yes. both teams would be four and one in common opponents. So it comes all the way down to a strength of victory percentage, which is the percent winning percentage of the teams you've beaten. If it takes that, if now, it takes that, now Seattle, oh Seattle could still win that tiebreaker against Washington because who's the in this scenario who's the one team that they add to their list of victims coming up in this scenario they're beating who yeah they're beating Arizona no. or Kansas City no they're beating Kansas City and losing to Arizona okay. this is all that scenario oh, they, that's, if they beat uh, yeah, Arizona right. it's, 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 it's a done. foregone conclusion right, right. it's but, Kansas City but by beating Kansas City right they're, they're adding ranked. they're yes. adding their to their strength of victory mm-hmm. and by the way the strength of victory between Washington, Seattle, as of the moment, as of the, the time of this recording, is 0.002 difference. <laughs> I can get you the actual. Oh, I can man. get you the actual numbers. Right now, it is 0.376 to 0.378. That's wow. the that's the difference in strength of victory. So, by beating the Chiefs you would add a very good record yes. to your strength of victory. But by, you're leaving yourself open. But also, by losing to the Cardinals in this scenario, yes. the Cardinals' record gets better, and you beat them earlier, so you're also helping your strength of victory. This is kind of weird. Yes. This is, this is only Mr. Postseason stuff, I'm telling you. This is wow. weird. So by actually yeah. losing, when you lose to the Cardinals, your strength of victory goes up. Goes up. Yes. You beat the Cardinals, your strength of victory goes down because their record becomes worse and you beat them twice you have to figure it yeah. in twice into the equation you got it yeah but okay. you get the but you get the against nfc you get the win there's so there's some pluses right. and minuses that's right, in the, yeah, that's right. Wow. well if you beat them as it's i said it doesn't, it doesn't matter yeah. we're just talking about seattle beating kansas city and losing arizona yeah. and then the other complication before the monday night game is played mm-hmm. and i'll just i'm going to stop here we'll do the full-fledged as i said the other complication is carolina now, Carolina plays the Saints twice, mm-hmm. still left, including Monday night, mm-hmm. right? If Carolina were to beat the Saints twice, 
and get into a 9-7 and seven tiebreaker with Seattle, Seattle would win the tiebreaker because they beat them. But if Carolina gets into a 9-7 and seven tiebreaker with Seattle and Washington, uh-oh. Now, the first question is, did anybody sweep the other two? And since Washington and Carolina, since there's no sweep, because Washington and Seattle didn't play, Carolina's loss to Seattle does not figure into the tiebreaker. And we're going to go all the way back down to strength of victory, which with Carolina's two wins over the Saints, assuming this situation, it would be over. Carolina would win that tiebreaker. I don't like this. I, this I'm is, just telling this you. This is amazing. I'm trying to give you. I'm just trying to give oh, you. So, man. to end the conversation for now. Yes. Seattle with a win over Arizona, no matter what they do with Kansas they're City, in. they're in. Seattle with a win over Kansas City, but with a loss of, let's say, Carolina and or Washington, they're okay yeah, there. Yeah. The only thing that really – and then, of course, you're going to ask, what if they lose the next two? Uh, no, I'm not. And they go to I, eight No, eight. no. Mr. Postseason needs uh. to work on that. There is still a very – by the way, a, still a very good chance they would still get in at 8-8, eight and eight, but it brings up a lot of stress, a lot of stress. Ooh. A lot of things would have to happen, but there's still a decent chance even at 8-8 eight and eight that the Seahawks could get in. Okay. And again, we'll do a full-fledged Mr. Postseason just as soon as the Monday Nighter gets out of our way so that we can have some results of the Monday Night Football. Got it? Got it. Okay. That was a t- terrible ring of the bell. It was a terrible ring of the bell. So how do we? Uh, how do you want to? How do you want to end today's episode number eight? I'm always told that I don't have good endings. So why don't you end it? Why don't you do something to, to take us out? Well, take us out, Jason. Goodbye, Mitch. <laughs>